0: Open your Bibles to the book of Ezra. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ezra. This is our sixth sermon going through this remarkable historical book of the Bible. And this morning we will be seeing a simple single verse as we did last week. Ezra chapter 6. Let's read this morning verse 14 Ezra 6 verse 14 and the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo and they built and finished it According to the commandment of the God of Israel. I would draw your attention this morning to the words, according to the prophesying of the prophet Zechariah. The history found in Ezra's book is complex and fascinating. Ezra is looking back 80 years. He's looking back to the remarkable prophecy from Isaiah 44, about 200 years earlier. In Isaiah 44, Isaiah prophesied by name of a man named Cyrus before he was born. And Isaiah said, A king will come named Cyrus who will restore my people to their land. And that happened. Ezra is now looking back at it just like Isaiah was looking forward to it. And in Ezra chapters 1 through 6, we have the story of Cyrus's decree being fulfilled as Zerubbabel and Jeshua led 42,000 Jews from Babylon. Back on a four-month journey to the land of Israel to rebuild the temple. It is a remarkable period of history because Cyrus paid for it himself. So he brings out his own money and this was all prophesied almost 200 years in advance. So when this happens, of course, the unbelieving, quote, scholars they tried to say that isaiah was written after it happened and that's how he knew the name cyrus because they don't want to believe that isaiah predicted the future but we believe the bible so we know that isaiah was written before cyrus lived and now ezra is looking back and saying just like isaiah said it happened these jews came back 42,000 of them decided to take a four-month trip to leave their land where they had been for 70 years and to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. That's what happens in chapters 1 through 6 of the book of Ezra. These two men that you may have forgotten about, Zerubbabel and Jeshua or Joshua. Joshua is the Hebrew word for Savior or the, uh, the Greek word for Jesus. So that Jesus, Joshua, and Savior are all the same word in different languages. Now, in the book of Ezra, you'll remember that when they came back to the land, they began building, and they finished the foundation because they were full of zeal for the Lord. But what happened? Enemies came in Ezra chapter 4, and the enemies gave them political pressure. And because of the political pressure... What happened to the workers? They all said, let's just stop. And so they stopped for how many years? 16 years they stopped. And God raised up two prophets in Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. It says the two prophets were who? What are their names? The first one? Haggai. And the second one? Zechariah. So God raised up these two prophets. These two prophets are called the post-exilic prophets. Post means after, exilic means exile, post-exile, after exile. They were exiled for 70 years in Babylon, and now it's after the exile, and there are three post-exilic prophets. I've given you two of them, Haggai and Zechariah, and can anyone guess the last of the post-exilic prophets? Malachi Malachi will come along in another 150 years and he will be the last of the Old Testament, the last of the prophets recorded in the books called the Old Testament. John the Baptist is actually the last of the Old Testament prophets, but he's recorded in the books of the New Testament. So we have three post-exilic prophets or three prophets who come after the exile. The exile is when they're taken away for 70 years as is prophesied in what book? They're taken away for 70 years, prophesied in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. I told you this before, I'm sorry, I'm reviewing all these prophets and their prophecies. Jeremiah 29, verse 10, you'll be taken away for 70 years, and sure enough, it happens. Now they're coming back to the land. When they come back to the land, they give up for 16 years, and God raises up Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai comes, and we've already seen his preaching in the previous sermons. In Haggai, he brings this message. Think about yourself. The book of Haggai, it's two chapters, could be summarized in two words. Spiritual reflection. There's a Hebrew verb that's used in Haggai, more perverse than any book in the Bible, even though Haggai only has two chapters. Consider. Consider your ways. Literally, it says, think about your heart. And Haggai uses that construction more than any book of the Bible for getting perverse. He's the one who coined that phrase. Think about your heart. Think about your heart. Haggai just uh, uh, presses on the people. I want you to look inside your soul. Spiritual reflection. That's Haggai. And that's needed today, isn't it? Look down in your heart and see how you are doing. Stop looking at your neighbor or your friend or your brother or your wife. Stop talking about your kids and your mom. You look at your own heart. What are you doing? That's Haggai. Is it any wonder that the people woke up under such preaching? Wow, what are we doing? We're building rich, luxurious houses. What else can we do with our money? We certainly can't build the temple because the politicians are getting angry. They're going to tax us. They're going to shout at us. They'll put us in prison. They might even kill us. So the people were frightened and they quit. And Haggai comes and says, look at your heart. Look at what you're doing. For two chapters, he thunders on those people. His prophecies take place over four months. The sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth month. And it wakes the people up. But he was there with his friend, Zechariah. Haggai is an unusual name. You don't find him in the Bible outside of this book. But Zechariah, that's a common name. Like Niko in Songa. or Dakaro in Venda. Rotendo in Shona? Is that common? Zechariah is a common name. Tinus or Yanus. It's a common name. There's many Zechariahs in the Bible. But this one Zechariah with a common name, he comes up and he preaches to these people. And I would like to show you today what his preaching did. His preaching did something. In fact, we saw it last week in the last two weeks. In chapter 6, Ezra chapter 6, what did his preaching do? Number one, the people... Look in verse 14 and tell me. What did his preaching do? Isaiah uh, Ezra 6, verse 14. What does Zechariah and Haggai... What did it, when these men preached, it did something. What did it do? It made them to do... Prosper! They went back to building, they prospered, and they finished the work. Do you see that in verse 14? Three verbs. They built, they prospered, they finished. And then... Look in verse number 16. What's the last word of verse 16? Does your Bible say joy as the last word of the verse? Not only did they build and succeed, they had joy. And in verse 21, our subject for last week's sermon, they were holy, they separated themselves, they turned away from every kind of sin. They they returned to religion. They had complete revival. Zechariah's preaching worked. It was was successful preaching. Haggai's preaching worked. Haggai comes up and says, consider your heart. Look inside your heart. Well, I want to ask you today, what did Zechariah say? So the whole sermon today is this. The prophesying of Zechariah. That's it. In verse 14 it says... So the people built and prospered through or according to the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. I want to explain to you those words, the prophesying of Zechariah. So where are we going to look now? Go in your Bibles to the book of Zechariah. Go in your Bibles this morning to the book of Zechariah. Get your pens ready. Does anyone need a pen? I hope you come to this church With a pen. Who needs one? Zachariah. This book is written around 516 BC. You can put that in there. 516 BC. Or 520, somewhere around there. And there are three time references that let us know when the book takes place. Look in chapter 1, verse 1. Zechariah, if you found the book, Zechariah 1, verse 1. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius. What year of Darius? Look at chapter 1, verse 7. In the 24th day of the 11th month, the month Sebat, in what year of Darius. So put a little dot by verse one and put a little dot by verse seven so you can always find the time. Now go over to chapter seven, verse one. Chapter seven, verse one. Chapter seven, verse one says, and it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius. What year of King Darius? It came to pass in the fourth year of Darius. All right, those are the three time references In the book, there are no other references to time. And what you can do is this. You can actually break the book apart by those time references. Chapters one through six take place in the second year of Darius. The exact same time when Haggai was preaching. So the first six chapters take place at the same time as what book? Haggai. Haggai one and two, Zechariah one to six. That's at the beginning when the people repent and they go and start to work. They're actually building for about three years. At the beginning of the work, chapters 1 through 6, and that's what makes the people wake up. Zechariah 1 to 6 was the awakening message. So that's the first part of the book. Zechariah 1 to 6, wake up. The awakening message. The message that gets people to see their spiritual condition and to move. Let's see it. Chapter 1, verse 2. Zechariah 1, verse 2. The Lord has been sore displeased with your fathers. Wow. He has great displeasure with them. Is the message positive or negative? Negative. Do you see that in Zechariah 1, verse 2? The message is negative. Look at verse 3. Therefore, say to them, say to the Jews, say to these people, thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn to me, says the Lord of hosts. And I will turn to you, says the Lord of hosts. That's the key verse of the whole book. Right there. Mark down a little key. Draw a little, a picture there. A key by verse three. There are many things we see in verse three. Number one, we see a repeated phrase. What phrase is repeated in verse three of the book of Zechariah? Turn, turn. Turn. The Lord of Hosts also. The Lord of Hosts is used in Zechariah more than in any book of the Bible per verse. That is, it's a small book, and it uses the phrase the Lord of Hosts dozens of times. If you have a computer program like I do, and you search Lord of Hosts through the whole Bible, and then you have a little button that says graph, you click graph, and you'll see all the books of the Bible with Little bars sticking out for how many times they use the word Lord of Hosts. And all the books, all 66, are listed there. And you see just a short little bar, and you get to Zechariah, and it almost goes off the screen. That phrase is used from the beginning to the end. In the first section, wake up. And in the second section, oh joy. You're going to see it the whole way through. The Lord of Hosts, the Lord of Hosts. The Lord of Hosts means the God of armies. Zechariah is emphasizing, we're dealing with one who's in charge. He's sovereignly in control. That's a great theme in Zechariah's preaching. He's telling these people, turn, why? On the authority of the commander-in-chief. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the general, the master, the one who's gonna go out and fight and win. And no one says Lord of hosts more than Zechariah. He repeats it how many times in verse three? Three times in in the third verse, the key verse. What else does he say? He gives them a command in verse three. Turn to me. There it is. You have to turn to him because you are turned in what direction? You're turned the wrong way. So turn back to me. Just like what book? Haggai. What does Haggai say? Consider your ways. Think about your heart. Look inside yourself. That's what Haggai says, and that's what Zechariah says. Zechariah and Haggai are preaching the same message with different um, words. Zechariah says, Turn back to me, and then you'll see that I'll do something. What will God do if they turn to Him? Turn to James chapter 4 draw near to God, and what will God do? And what's remarkable is this. If you will turn to the Lord and draw near to the Lord, you will find that it was God who actually drew you. If you will look at that command and say, what am I doing? Let me just look at my heart. What's happening? I'm wasting my life. I'm far from God. I'm not loving and serving and obeying and fearing and confessing and evangelizing. I'm not doing what I ought to do. What am I? Let me change. When you'll do that, you'll come along and say, whoa, it was God. It was the commander of the armies who did all of that in my soul. So who is it? Is it you or him? Well, Zachariah says you. He says, you do it. Turn. You don't need to be worrying about, is it God or me? You need to worry about obeying. That's what he says. You just obey. Don't worry about these hard, complicated uh, doctrines and these deep philosophical questions. You just do what he says to do. And he says, turn. And if you'll do it, you'll find out that he'll turn back to you. That's the first prophecy. His first prophecy begins in verse one. You see it there. Look at verse one in the eighth month in the second year. But look down at verse seven in the 24th day of the 11th month. The month Sebat, second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. So the first prophecy is only six verses long. And now we get into the whole book. Oh, this is beautiful. Look at verse eight, Zechariah one, verse eight. I saw by night. You're going to see the word see or look or behold over and over in the first half of the book. The first half of the book is a series of visions. Visions. Seven different visions. Look at verse 8. I saw by night. What did he see? You tell me. A man on a red horse. First vision. Vision number one. Zachariah sees a man on a red horse, but he sees this vision with some help. Can someone look in the very next verse and tell me what is the help that he gets to see this vision? Verse 9. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what are these? And the angel who talked with me said to me, friends, that's a repeated word all the way through the first half of the book. The first half of the book is going to repeat visions and angels. God is revealing to Zechariah the state of these people, their spiritual condition, And if you were going to summarize the first six chapters, you could summarize it just that way. Spiritual condition. I told you awake earlier. Well, awake from what? From your sleep, from your spiritual condition for six chapters and seven visions in those six chapters. Six chapters, seven visions. The first half of the book, he has an angel the whole way through all six chapters. And he's talking the whole time with Zechariah in the eighth month. He talks with them the whole time. It's a single unified vision where he's talking. He says, hey, Zachariah, look at this. Zachariah, look at this. Zachariah, follow this. And what is the subject of all the visions? Some of the visions are hard to understand. But some of the visions are easy to understand. I'm not going to explain all the visions to you this morning. That would take me teaching through each section of of the book. You can go and read them yourself. But let me help you with this one thing. When you read the visions in Zechariah, take the parts that you can understand and hold on to those. Because some of the parts you'll say, I don't understand this part of the vision, but some parts of the vision you can understand. Take the parts you can. Look at these different visions. In verse 12, angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, There you see, O Lord of hosts. And notice, by the way, the angel of the Lord. Angel of the Lord is a term that is used multiple times in the book of Zechariah. Who is this angel of the Lord? Well, the angel of the Lord here is remarkable. Look in verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which you have had anger these 70 years? The angel is doing what in verse 12? He's speaking to Jehovah. What do you call it when someone speaks to Jehovah? Prayer. An angel praying? Have you ever heard of an angel praying? I haven't. Who can you think of who prays? Unbelievers pray, but it's false prayer. Believers pray, and it's true prayer. Who else prays? Our Lord Jesus. The angel of the Lord stands up and intercedes on behalf of Jerusalem and Judah. The angel of the Lord is a prayer warrior, an intercessor. Look at chapter three, verse one. Chapter three, verse one. He showed me Joshua, the high priest. Oh, that's the priest that's actually living at that time. I told you there's Joshua and Zerubbabel. The angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before whom? The angel of whom? Oh, Joshua, the high priest is standing beside the angel of the Lord. And who else? The angel shows to Zechariah, here's the priest of the Jews, Joshua, and here's who else? Satan and the angel. These three are standing together. Look at it, keeps going. Verse number three: Joshua's clothed with filthy garments and stood before who? Verse 3, Zechariah 3, verse 3, who's he standing before? Zechariah 3, verse 5, and I said, that's the angel. Let them set a fair mitre on his head. So they set a fair mitre, that's a hat, on his head. They clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Who is standing by Joshua when he gets his new clothes? The angel of the Lord. Look at verse 6. The angel of the Lord protested to Joshua saying, thus says the Lord of hosts. Now Now the angel of the Lord actually teaches Joshua. The angel of the Lord prays for Joshua. The angel of the Lord stands by Joshua. The angel of the Lord is with him when he gets his new clothes. And the angel of the Lord teaches Joshua by Jehovah. But the angel of the Lord is not done. Look at chapter 12, verse 8. Go to the end of the book, chapter 12, verse 8. This is the only reference to angel in the second half of the book. The only reference to angel. Angel is all through the first half, but not in the second half. Chapter 12, verse 8. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He who is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. And the house of David will be as God as the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is compared to Jehovah in chapter 12, verse 8. Friends, you tell me. Who would you call it if someone prays and intercedes for sinners? Who do you call it who stands by believers when they get their new robes? Who do you call it who teaches believers? Who do you call it who can be taking the place of God? That's the Messiah. That's the promised king. That is the son of God. And in the first half of the book, We have the son of God, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is called something else. Look at chapter three, verse eight. Chapter three, verse eight. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your fellows who sit before you. For there men wondered at, for behold, I will bring forth my servant. What is the name of the servant in chapter three, verse eight? Does everyone see the word branch? Underline that or circle it. And then go to chapter 6 verse 12. Speak unto him saying thus says thus says the Lord of hosts saying behold the man whose name is what? The branch. He will grow up out of his place. He will build the temple of the Lord. Look at verse 13. Even he will build the temple of the Lord. He will bear the glory. So this branch is going to build, this branch is glorious, he will sit and rule on his throne. Who's that that's holding glory, building the temple, ruling on his throne? Next one, he will be a priest upon his throne? Next phrase, the council of peace will be between them both? Between who? The branch and Jehovah. The council of peace there, if you love theology, is the eternal council of redemption. It is the covenant of redemption in eternity past. The Father and the Son agreeing to save all who would believe in Jesus. That's the Council of peace in chapter 12, verse 8. It is not, as some theologians faulty, uh, incorrectly say, it is not the covenant of grace. It is the covenant of redemption, the eternal plan of God, whereby the Father and Son agreed to save all who would believe in Christ. That's Genesis, uh, that's Zechariah 12, verse 13. Who is the branch here? It's the Lord Jesus. Now the word branch is referring to Jesus five times in the Old Testament prophets. Five times. In Isaiah chapter four, the branch is called beautiful and glorious. In Jeremiah 23, the branch is a wise king. In Jeremiah 33, verse 15, the branch will rule the earth. In Zechariah 3, we just saw it. The branch is Jehovah's servant. And in Zechariah 6, the branch builds up God's temple. Who can the branch be? It must be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah. In Zechariah 1 to 6, the angel of the Lord walks with Zechariah revealing things, showing him these visions. If you have your pen, maybe you can mark the visions. I show you the first one. Let's just let me show you each of the visions before we move on to the second section of the book. The first one is in chapter 1, verse 8. A man on a red horse. The second one is in chapter 1, verse 18. What is the second vision in chapter 1, verse 18? What does Zechariah see? Four horns. Chapter 2, verse 1, what does he see? Man with a measuring line. Chapter 3, verse 1, Joshua the high priest and Satan beside him. 4, verse 2, what does he see? A candlestick. Do you see candlestick in verse 2? Zechariah 4, verse 2, lamps, maybe your Bible says. Candlestick lamps. Chapter five, verse one. A flying scroll. Chapter five, verse nine. Two women. I lifted up my eyes and looked. Behold, there were two women. Chapter six, verse one. Four chariots. So these visions are the first half of the book. And all of the visions come Through the angel of the Lord who walks with Zechariah. And this angel of the Lord prays for sinners. This angel of the Lord takes the place of God. This angel of the Lord is a teacher. And he's the one who stands by believers when they are attacked by Satan. This angel of the Lord is not a mere angel. This angel of the Lord is the messenger of Jehovah. Okay, what's the point? If you were a Jew living in Ezra's day, you are fearful. You have Haggai come to you and say, look into your hearts. You have Zechariah in the first brief message in chapter one say, turn back to God. But the message then goes to revealing these visions and the angel of the Lord comes To reveal God's king. It becomes more positive. He says to them in their spiritual condition. You need to turn. But if you're going to turn. You're going to have to have your eyes open by the angel of the Lord. What is our spiritual condition? Our spiritual condition is this. We aren't seeing things correctly and we need the angel of the Lord to come and open our eyes. We don't see our own hearts. We don't see our jobs. We don't see our families. We don't see ourselves correctly. Don't be so proud to say, well, I'm seeing things right and, and she's got it wrong. Oh, really? Maybe you're seeing it wrong and she's seeing it wrong. You're going to need the angel of the Lord to come and open your eyes with his visions If you're ever going to turn back to the Lord, you're going to need him to come and open your visions. Chapters one to six. Now in chapter seven, go to chapter seven, verse one. Chapter seven, verse one. It came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius. So two years have passed now. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah in the ninth month. Now in the second half of this book, the message becomes increasingly more positive. So that if you have a pen, you could write the letter F for any time you find something that's in the future. When you're reading the Bible, one good way to understand what you're reading is to find repeated words... Or phrases. We did that already. Tell me some of the repeated words in the first half of Zechariah. Angel. What's that? Lord of hosts. Angel. But then there's, or saw, or look, or behold. But then there are ideas that are repeated, even though the exact word isn't repeated. In the second half of the book, you're going to see future ideas and you can do what i did in my bible and just put f and you'll find at least 17 times from chapter 7 up to chapter 14 you're going to have to write an f because that's that didn't happen when this prophecy was given it was going to be 500 or 2500 years in the future ezra i'm sorry zachariah is getting revelations that he's giving to these people he's saying lift up your eyes and look into the future Haggai comes and Zechariah comes and says, look at your own heart. That's the first message. Consider your ways. Open your eyes. You're going to need to see the vision that God has for you. Look at your own soul. You're confused about yourself. You're seeing yourself incorrectly. That's the first half. The second half is, whoa, stop looking at yourself and look somewhere else. So that you could say this, spiritual condition is the first half of the book. Future glory is the second half of the book. And there are going to be two phrases that are repeated the whole way through. In that day, it will come about. Or if you have the King James and the New King James, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. It will come about in that day. So look for those phrases, it's going to say over and over in that day, in that day, in that day, in what day it will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come about. It will come about when in the future. It's not now it's future. It will come to place in that day when that day reaches here. So we still have the Lord of hosts. That's the overarching theme throughout the whole book. But now we've got this future glory. Let's see what he's saying in the future. Look at verse 14, 7, Therefore, it has come to pass that as he cried, and they, uh, verse, seven, uh, verse 13, I'm sorry, seven thirteen, Chapter seven, verse 13. Therefore, it has come to pass that as he cried and they will not hear. So they cried and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. I showed you this before in the book of Jeremiah in Lamentations, many places in the Bible You can get into a place where God will not hear your prayers. Why? You know what? Let's just look back to verse 12. They made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Verse 13, therefore, it has come to pass that as he cried and they would not hear, so they cried and I would not hear. Verse 14, but I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they did not know. The land was desolate after them. No man passed through or returned. They laid the pleasant land desolate. Chapter seven tells us, look at the bad condition you've got yourselves in. This dispersion where the Jews have been cast throughout all the world, it's your own fault. Chapter eight, verse one. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, thus says the Lord of hosts. And now in chapter eight, look at this. Verse three, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am returned to Zion. I will dwell, will dwell future. In the midst of Jerusalem, Jerusalem will be called a city of truth. The mountain of the Lord of hosts will be called the holy mountain. Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, there will yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. Every man with his staff in his hand, because they are old. Verse 5, the streets of the city will be full of boys and girls playing in the streets of it. Is it happening now? No, right now there's political instability. The walls aren't built yet. They will be built in a number of years. But right now the walls aren't built. The temple isn't even finished. Remember, is preaching before they had finished to build. They had 16 years they hadn't been building. Now in the fourth year of Darius, they just started to rebuild, but they haven't finished the temple. So this is not a stable society. Old men can't live there. Old women can't live there. It's not comfortable. You don't have nice families here. It's dangerous. The moms are telling the kids, don't play in the streets. Stay home. Mom, I want to go out. It's dangerous. We've got enemies and political difficulties. And the prophecy comes here. Zechariah 8. The day is coming that Zion will be glorious. There will be old people. It will be peaceful and safe. And young people. There's the future. Look at verse 7. Thus said the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people. Future from the east country and from the west country. Verse eight, I will bring them. They will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They will be my people. I will be their God in truth and righteousness. That sounds like Jeremiah 31 that we read today. The new covenant, the future of the Jews. Look at verse 12. The seed will be prosperous the vine will give her fruit. The ground will give her increase. The heavens will give their due. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. Verse 13, it will come to pass as you were a curse among the heathen. O house of Judah and house of Israel, I will save you. You will be a blessing. Do not fear. Let your hands be strong. What is he saying already in chapter seven and chapter eight? The second half of the book I had you first of all look into your hearts. I revealed to you by the angel of the Lord your spiritual condition through these series of seven visions. But now, I want you to lift up your eyes and look to the future. Something great is coming. He has a great promise for them in the future. The future is full of glory. What is this glory? Look down in verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days it will come to pass that 10 men will take hold out of all languages of the nations. Even they will take hold of the skirt of one that is a Jew saying, we will go with you for we have heard that God is with you. Brothers and sisters, that has not happened. That has never happened. In verse 23, There is coming a day in the future when people from all languages, all nations will look to the Jewish people and they will say, teach us the truth of Jehovah and of his son, Jesus Christ. Today, the Jews do not love Jesus. They are lost. They've rejected their Messiah. But God has said there's coming a day when people will come from all the ways they'll say. Let the Jews teach us a great revival is coming where the Jews will be converted. That's promised in Romans chapter 11. All Israel will be saved. Are they saved today? No. The Jewish people does not love God as a people. Very few of them are converted. But there is coming a day when the Jewish people will turn to the Lord. There is a revival. Prophesied right there. Ezra says to them, I know right now you look around and the the place is destroyed. There's a few people who worship God. Even the ones who are working at the temple, half of them don't love Jehovah. They're just doing it to fit in. But there's coming a day when all the world will come to you and beg of you and say, teach us, teach us. Brothers and sisters, when you pray, pray Zechariah chapter 8 verse 23. Pray that that day would come that revival would really come to this land. Chapter nine, verse number nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Nine, nine, chapter nine, verse nine. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. He is just and having salvation, low and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Can anyone tell me when that was fulfilled? When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah 9 verse 9 was a prophecy. It was still 500 years in the future. And he prophesied. When this Messiah comes. When he comes. How's he going to come? You think he'll come in on a white horse. He's going to come on a donkey. I heard um, Joseph Stoll teach once. At Moody Church in America. I heard it on the radio. And he said. Commentators have said now I've searched for the commentaries but I've never found it so that's why I'm telling you who told me he said commentators have said that the Jews anticipated their Messiah to come on a white horse if they were obeying the law but if they were not obeying the law that he would come back on a donkey I don't know what commentator said that because I've looked for it and haven't found it But I did hear a thoughtful man say it. So I'm going to quote that man and tell you my source. The Old Testament prophet prophesies, look for him on a donkey. Because even when he comes, you will not yet have repented. But your repentance will come. Zechariah 9 verse 9. He comes on a donkey. But that's not all he does. Look at verse 10. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. The horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be cut off he will speak peace to the heathen and his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That is from Psalm 72. Here's Zechariah quoting David from 500 years earlier. David prophesied it. 500 years have passed and they haven't seen it. And Zechariah prophesied. And do you know what? From the time David prophesied it, 3,000 years have passed. And I ask you, from the river to the ends of the earth and from sea to sea, is God exalted? Is Christ, is the king, the Christ, does he have dominion all over the world yet? No. Look at your Bibles. Zechariah 9 verse 9. Has that already been fulfilled? Look at your Bibles. You're looking all around. I want you to look down. Look at nine verse nine. Has chapter nine verse nine been fulfilled? Yes. Yes. When was it fulfilled? By Jesus when he came the first time. Has Zechariah nine verse ten been fulfilled? That he will have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Has that happened yet? That has not happened yet. So, what, Ezra, what Zachariah was doing was he was looking 500 years into the future and he saw in verse 9 the first coming of Jesus. Then he looks the very next verse, 2,000 years past that, and he sees the second coming of Jesus. Verse 9, first coming. Verse 10, second coming. Right there in the same paragraph. Look down at verse 16. The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people. Verse 17, for how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Oh, there's so much in this, but for time. Chapter 10, verse six. 10, verse six, I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them again to their place. Verse eight, I will hiss for them. Verse 9, I will sow them among the people. Verse 10, I will bring them again out of the land. Verse 10, I will bring them to the land of Gilead. Verse 12, I will strengthen them. That's a prophecy. Nine prophecies and blessings for the people of Israel that are all in the future that had not happened at the day of Zechariah. He says to the people, do you see what's happening? In chapters 1 through 6. Turn back to the Lord. Have the angel of the Lord teach you and show you what things are really like. Chapters one to six. Chapters seven to 14. Lift up your eyes and see the future blessings. So if you would really recover from backsliding, if you would take stock of your spiritual condition, you're gonna have to, first of all, look inside your soul, and then secondly, stop looking inside your soul. Look inside your heart at what's happening And then stop it and look out to the promised blessings of the King of Kings. His first coming and his second coming. That's what we see the whole way through the book. How did these Jews build the temple? Well, they started with what Haggai said look into your heart. They started with what Zechariah said Zechariah 1, verse 3. They looked into their heart. They had the angel of the Lord teach them. And then they lifted up their eyes and they thought of a great day in the future. They had hope in the future but I haven't even gotten to the best part. I've saved the best part for last. Chapter 12, chapter 12, it turns on. There's so much through the whole book, but very quickly here, chapter 12, verse three, and in that day, notice that phrase, and in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it will be cut in pieces. Has that ever happened? Has it ever happened that whoever bothers Jews will be cut in pieces? Not yet. Verse 3. Though all the people of the earth are gathered together against it. That looks like it's happening right now in the United Nations. There are 200 nation states in the United Nations. And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, they pass their resolutions against the nation of Israel. Even though China has human rights abuses, they don't say anything. North Korea, they don't say anything. Somalia and uh, Saudi Arabia, human rights abuses, they keep quiet. But when it comes to Israel, the persecuted, attacked, hated people of Israel, who only wants to keep its land, who has been attacked five times every time, unjustly by the countries around it, who destroy it and have published... Maps of the world with no nation of Israel on it. Because they so despise that people. They say we will destroy the entire country of Israel from off the earth. And they want nothing more than to destroy all the Jews. Even though that's the state of things. The United Nations consistently says. Let's ban Israel. Let's attack Israel. Which is why Donald Trump stood up for Israel. More than any president in living history. Why is it. That the world hates Israel because God has promised when all the nations stand against Israel, they are still going to survive. One of the reasons God blesses countries is when they stand up and support Israel. And God promised his people will not die. That's not happened. It's in the future. Verse 4, in that day. Verse 6, in that day. Chapter 12, verse 6, in that day. Verse eight, in that day. Verse nine, it will come to pass in that day. By the way, I need to make this comment. The ESV consistently does not translate the phrase, it will come about or it will come to pass. If you have a King James, New King James, New American Standard, you can see the phrase in chapter 12, verse nine. It will come about. But if you have an ESV, they took that phrase out. I don't know why. It's repeatedly in the book of Zechariah. And they completely take it out. I don't have any explanation textually for why they did that. It will come about in that day, verse 9, chapter 12, verse 9. I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Has that happened? Has it ever happened that all the nations that attack Jerusalem, God has stood up and said, no, you won't. I'm going to fight for Israel. Well, we've seen that a little bit. In 1967, and again in 1973. We saw that a little bit when different nations tried to attack Israel, but it wasn't all the nations, it was four or five. What's going to happen when all the nations attack Israel? It'll look like they're destroyed, but God will fight for them. That's yet in the future when our Lord returns. Look again at verse 10. Zechariah 12, verse 10, and I will pour out, pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they, who's the they in verse 10, the Jews, they will look on me whom they have pierced. Whoa, who's talking in verse 10? It's Jehovah. Jehovah is talking and he says, who did they pierce? Jehovah says there's coming a day when all of the Jews will look on me whom they pierced. That is a prophecy of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. Jehovah was pr- crucified. And look at verse 10. They will mourn for him. Wait a minute. They're looking on Jehovah. They pierced Jehovah, but they're mourning for him. Who's the him? Verse 10. As one mourns for his only son, they will be in bitterness for him. As one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Brothers and sisters, that is an indisputable Prophecy and prediction 500 years in advance of the crucifixion. And it's the Trinity. So who is that Hasidic Jew? That's Jehovah. Jehovah is being pierced. And Jehovah has a son. Jehovah's son has died all in verse 10. And the Jews one day will look at the son of Jehovah. And they will weep for the son of Jehovah who was pierced. Who is himself Jehovah. That's the Trinity in the Old Testament. And if you ever have the chance to speak to someone who does not believe in the Trinity, he does not believe in Jesus, but he believes in the Old Testament, you can go right there and say, who is that? Who is that who's being looked on? It's Jehovah being looked on as the Son and the Father in one act. Chapter 12, verse 11, in that day. Chapter 13, verse 1, in that day. 13, 2, it will come about in that day. Again and Again. Again, a prophecy of the cross, 13, verse six, 13, verse seven. They will smite the shepherd. The sheep will be scattered. Verse eight, it will come about in that day. 14, verse four. You've got to see this. 14, verse four. And his feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. 14 verse 4 chapter 14 verse 4 his feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives and it will separate verse 5 you will flee to the valley of the mountains for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal yes you will flee like you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Isaiah king of Judah and the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you who's talking Jehovah is speaking and he says there's coming a day when Jehovah will come and all of his saints with you. Who is this? It is the king. It is the Messiah. It is the branch. It is the servant. And it is the future. Have the king's feet stood on the Mount of Olives when it's split apart? Have the king's feet come the second time? This is so obviously a picture of the second coming of Jesus. And it's there again in verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. When? When will the Lord be king over all the earth? In verse 9. In that day. Do you see the repeated phrase? In that day. Is that the day of Zechariah? It's the future. That's what I'm telling you. In the second half of the book. In that day. In that day. In that day. In that day. used more in Zechariah perverse than any place in the entire bible he says in that day it will come about look to the future look to the future you'll you'll see your your king coming on a donkey then you'll see your king pierced and killed and then you will see your king coming back and his foot will touch the mount of olives it will split open he will destroy all the nations that have gathered to attack israel he will be king over all the earth he will rule from river to the river from Sea to shining sea, he will be the king. And at that day, look here in verse number 16, it, chapter 14, verse 16, it will come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations, the ones who are left over, Caleb, that's why I said there will be a great revival at the second coming. The ones who are left over of all the nations, they will come up to Jerusalem, even going up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. Has that ever happened? Verse 16. That's all in the future. Verse 17, it will be that those who do not come up of all the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on those people, there will be no rain. No rain if you don't come up. Chapter 14, verse 20, in that day, there will be on the bells of the horses, holiness to the Lord, and the pots in the Lord's house will be like the bulls before the altar. Verse 21, yes, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah will be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Friends, you will know that Jesus is king of all the world when everything is holy. Down to the pots you cook with in the kitchen. Kitchens will be holy at that day. Transport will be holy. The bells on the horses will be holy. Everything will be holy. The taxis then will drive in a holy way. Has that happened? If you've seen taxis, you know they don't drive in a holy way. But it's coming when they will. Last line of the book. And in that day, there will never again be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. What does that mean? No more multiculturalism. No more multi-cul- Throw away your multiculturalism. There will be one culture. It will be the Christian culture. Christ will rule. He will reign. The culture will be holiness all over the world from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Here's the point of Zechariah's prophecy, brothers and sisters. Spiritual introspection is a good way to start, but then lift up your eyes for the King of glory is prophesied. Look at him on the cross and look at him at his second coming. I have a dear friend, a brother who loves Jesus and is very wise in the Bible. And he says, we need to think a lot about the cross. Let's not waste time thinking about the second coming. And I tell you, Zachariah does not support that. Think a lot about the first coming on the cross and think a lot about the second coming. If you are depressed or discouraged, if you are falling back spiritually, if you're struggling to get up and do the work, then I tell you, look in your heart first, but don't stop there. Start with that. Start by looking into your soul and then look at the cross and look at the second coming because those promises, the future will be better than the present. The future is coming when Christ will be king. That's what we are to look forward to. And now I close with this, the amazing twist at the end of the book. Zechariah preached this, and what happened? The Jews responded because they built the temple, right? They obeyed. But our Lord told us the end of the story. In Matthew 23, verse 35, he says this, which of the prophets have you not killed from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah son of Berechiah whom you slew between the temple and the altar when Zechariah finished with his own hands building the temple Ezra 5 verse 2 Zachariah worked mixing daga when Zechariah finished preaching and mixing daga when he rejoiced and had the dedication of the temple, he went on preaching, and the Jews, his own people, hated him so much that eventually in the own temple in the in the place that he built with his own hands, they gathered a group together and they killed him violently. But the man dedicated himself to the Lord. This is the kind of preaching that gets pastors killed. This is the kind of preaching today that empties churches. But there is a remnant that says, I want Zachariah's theology. May it be in every one of our hearts today. Oh, Father, give us spiritual introspection and give us confidence in the future promises. Oh, Lord Jesus, come back. Fulfill all of these promises. Help us to trust in them and to believe them and to live in light of them. Help us to repent, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.